But vision fueled, you got to know, is not just something we say around here. It really is a part of who we are. Vision is the thing that drives this ministry. You can't come to church here very long and not recognize that we are always going to be running after the things that God has for us. We know that we have a part to play. We have expectation when we come that God is going to move. And so when I say that we're running after what God has for us, that's that's what velocity means. Velocity implies that there is a goal and a destination in mind. Now, in the Christian life, it's not like you ever really arrive at the goal. The Christian life is about walking with God. It's about each day you're taking a step. Each day you're moving forward. Each day you're making progress. Each day you're becoming more like Christ. Each, each day you're growing in your relationship with God and drawing closer, moving forward in the plans and purposes that he has for you. And so that's what we do here. But every year... We set aside a special Sunday, we call it Vision Sunday, that's today, to talk about those things that are on the horizon, those things that we see, that we are running after. And that's what I want to do today. And I want to do it a little different than maybe I've done it in the past, because I'm just curious, of, you know, people who are here, how many of you say you've, you've never been part of Vision Sunday at Velocity before? Can I just put you on the spot and raise your hand? So yeah, like maybe, you know, 30% of the people in the room never been a part of Vision Sunday. And maybe you've been part of our church for a while, you just missed a Vision Sunday, or, or maybe you're new in the last four months or, or four weeks, whatever it would be. I want to set this up for you so you know what to expect, because here's what's going to happen. T- today, uh, you're going to be encouraged because every time we open up God's word, it has the power to change our life. So whatever you came in here carrying, whatever you're facing, whatever you're working towards, whatever it would be that, that maybe you're believing God for, you are going to get a word from God today that is going to speak to you and meet you right where you're at. You're going to be encouraged, but you're also going to be equipped. You're going to be equipped because we have a huge tradition at our church where every year we give a special offering. That offering's not today, it's, it's towards the end of the year, but I want you to be prepared for it. I want you to know what it's about so you, can, so you can plan on it, you can pray about it, you can prepare for it, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But then I also want to inform you. I want to inform you to let you know some of the things that we've done this year, but also what we see on the horizon, what we're moving towards and what we're running after. And so that's what we're going to do. And to do that, we're going to start with some scripture. And those of you with your Bible can turn to Matthew chapter 20. It's going to be our text for today. We're going to read about 15 verses. And this one thing you got to know, we are a, a Bible church. We, we look at God's word. I always encourage you to look up the scripture for yourselves because, I mean, I could just be making stuff up here and put it on the screen and you wouldn't know if you didn't look it up for yourself. And you want to make sure that, that you have a Bible so you can find this for yourself and see what it says for yourself. And I'm always encouraging you to, to know God's word for yourself. So, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, whether it's, uh, you know, you, you do it on your phone like I do, or whether you got one of those analog Bibles with, you know, leather and pages, however you use it, you can do that. I also want you to know we are a note-taking church. Here, we, we take notes. I'll tell you why. Because God might say something that you need, and by Tuesday, you forgot about it, or, you know, worse, you misquote me on it, and that's why you need to take notes, so you can remember <laughs> what God has said to you because it, it could be the very thing that you need. And, and then also, we are a responsive church. We talk back to the preacher here. We get engaged. When we're excited, we say amen. We also, you know, we, if God really speaks to us, we might put our hands together and clap. But let's just practice that right now. Like we are really, like God has said something to change your life. We are a loud and rowdy church, and I'm, I'm glad you're here today. I believe God's going to speak to you. Matthew 20 
Jesus is launching into a parable. Starting in verse 1, it says, The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is like a man who owned some land. One morning he went out very early to hire some people to work in his vineyard, and the man agreed to pay the workers one silver coin for working that day. Doesn't sound like a lot, but as a denarius, that was a day's wage. It's not shortchanging them. This is, this is the amount, typical day's wage. So he pays them a silver coin. And then he sent them into the vineyard to work. About nine o'clock, the man went to the marketplace and he saw some other people standing there doing nothing. So he said to them, if you go and work in my vineyard, I will pay you what your work is worth. So they went to work in the vineyard and the man went out again about 12 o'clock and again at three o'clock. Both times he hired people to work in his vineyard. And about five o'clock, the man went to the marketplace again. Now, I'll just stop you for a minute. Like, this is kind of interesting. Five, this is five times he's gone out to hire people. And at five o'clock, most of us think that the work day is over. Most, I mean, pastors only preach, you know, work for two hours a week. So, I mean, it's like a really long day. <laughs> but five o'clock, the day's almost over. And he's going out to gather more people. And he saw some people standing there and he asked them, why did you stand here all day doing nothing? They answered, well, no one gave us a job. So the man said, then you can go and work in my vineyard. I got a job for you. I want to pause on this parable and I want to give you the title of this message for those of you taking notes, the ones that Jesus loves. I want to speak to you on this subject. There's still work to do. There is still work to do. It's always my custom to pray before we get into the preaching of God's word. I want to ask you, invite you to bow your head one more time. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you speak to us every time we open up your word. So God, I'm asking that you would do it again. Meet us where we're at. Use me. God, nobody needs my ideas or opinions. What we need is to hear from you. So Holy Spirit, take this message. The only way that you can, one message and personalize it and individualize it to each person here. I thank you that you will, God. We believe it and agree to it in Jesus' name. Everybody who agrees with that can say amen. I'm curious, how many of you are to-do list people? You're to-do list people? Quite a bit of you. Quite a bit of you. A lot more than the nine o'clock. I'll just point that out. I want to see your hands again, uh, uh, to-do list people. Just keep your hands up in the air for just a minute. Look around. Look around. Everybody doesn't have their hand up. You may be married to somebody who doesn't have their hand up. I just want you to know you will be supporting them, okay? <laughs> I, I, it's okay. I, I love to-do list people, honestly. I, I love getting done people, but I love, I love the people that aren't not to-do list people. Can I just see if you're not a to-do list person? I love you too. We call you the creative team at our church. <laughs> just kidding. Teasing. Teasing. But it's true. You know, sometimes when people don't use to-do list, they're like, I'm... I'm more creative, you know, kind of spur the moment. I think truthfully, whatever kind of person you are, whether you are a planner or a creative or, you know, spontaneous, however you, you want to phrase it, uh, it's hard for any of us to get something done without a system or a plan. You might not use a to-do list. Maybe you put everything on your calendar. You know, maybe, um, you know, you do everything on your phone. Maybe you, um, you know, draw it in crayon. I don't know. That's like what psychopath would do. I have no idea. But 
I don't know how you keep a list, but all of us, if we're going to get something done, there's got to be a level of intentionality. Maybe we just keep a running list in our head of the things we have to get done, but, but all of us to some degree uh, have some intentionality when it comes to getting things done. And what's interesting to me is when I read this text, there, there's a part of me where it seems like the owner of this vineyard was not a planner. Like, it just kind of strikes me by surprise because... Like he goes out early in the day to hire some people. And even that of itself is a little strange. Like, did you not know you needed work that, like, why are you going out that morning to hire people? Is this extra work or just kind of baffles me. And he, he goes out, he hires some people, probably, you know, 6 a.m. It's early. That's when the day started. Typical work day was, was 10 to 12 hours in this culture. Goes out, hires some people. And then nine o'clock, he finds himself back at the marketplace looking for more people to hire. All right, so he goes and hires some people. You think, all right, well, now he's good. Well, noon comes, he goes and hires some more people. Three o'clock, it's like, yeah, I don't think I have quite enough people. Five o'clock, the fifth time he's gone, like, is this guy, maybe he's a creative too. I don't know, he finds himself in this place looking for more people to hire. And it brings all sorts of questions to my mind. Like, did you not plan? Did, did, were, were you not prepared? Did, did you not know how much work was going to be involved in this process? Did you underestimate the amount of work that was involved with the first guys that you hire or first bunch of workers that, that you recruit? Did, did they not get the job done? And so now you're looking for people, like, are you a poor manager? All these different questions. And the scripture doesn't really say why he did it. But here's one thing we know that within this parable that's about a vineyard, it has something to say about our values. Because see, this parable is not about management or rewards or business or paying employees or hiring employees. This parable is about the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God was not a new concept in Jewish culture. They would have been familiar with it. Matthew here calls it the kingdom of heaven. Because Matthew was a Jew who wrote to a Jewish audience. And so for the Jews, it wouldn't have been, uh, you know, appropriate to call it the kingdom of God because that would have been a loose use of God's name. And so Matthew calls it the kingdom of heaven. And so while it wasn't a foreign concept, Jesus was really the first one to put it in this language, the kingdom of God. The way things operate, the, the way God thinks, the, the way he operates, his culture. I like to call it a kingdom culture. This was really central to Jesus' message. In fact, over 100 times in scripture, out of his mouth comes the phrase, the words, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, this culture of the kingdom. The thing about Jesus, though, is he would never just preach about it. He would demonstrate it. He would illustrate it. He would teach it, and then he would show it. And this was not the kingdom that the disciples expected. See, the disciples expected a kingdom that would bring about a military reign. The disciples expected a kingdom that would bring about political power. The, the disciples were looking for a kingdom that would bring economic rescue. And that's why this is a good text for Vision Sunday. Because sometimes we can be looking right at the thing that God wants to show us and we miss it because we're expecting something else. 
And even for me, within this parable, when I'm reading it, there's some stuff that I missed. Because for the longest time, I never really understood, like, like, why is this landowner going out so many times? It just doesn't make sense. But it's not the fact that he failed to prepare. It's not the fact that the first group of workers failed in their efforts. There's nothing in the text that indicates that. See, what you have to understand is that Jesus was setting up this parable to give us a picture of the culture of the kingdom. And in doing that, he wants us to know that this landowner is God. And when you understand that this landowner is God, what it tells you is that God is always calling people to his work. God is always calling people to his work all the time. And this should be an encouragement to you today. Because I've noticed that many people don't live with vision. What they live with is regret. What, what they live with is where, man, if I would have made better decisions sooner, maybe I'd be further along by now. Where if I would have known then what I know now, you know, maybe I'd have more to show for it. Where sometimes you wonder, I don't know, at this point in my life, where I'm at now and everything that's happened, is it really too late for me to make a difference? And I want to encourage you, if you're here today, it's not too late. There is still work to do. God still has plans for you. You, you might feel like you've missed an opportunity, but you haven't missed it. You, you, you might feel like, man, if I only had been here at the beginning, that's what I love about this story. There is still work to do. Even if you feel like it's the final hour of the day, God still has things for you. God can use you. Now, we don't know why these guys, girls, we don't know why they weren't here in the morning. You know, maybe they overslept. It's possible. Maybe uh, they had other priorities. Maybe they had something else going on. Maybe they had a different job that was preventing them from getting there. Maybe they were in the wrong place. Anybody ever feel like you were in the wrong place where you needed to be? Maybe they were in the wrong place. They thought they needed to be someplace else to get hired. Maybe something was preventing from getting there. It could have been that, that they were dealing with the injury, a hurt, a pain they had to heal from before they could get there, had a different priority. We don't know why, but here's what we do know. When the landowner found him, he said, if you will work it for me, it will be worth it for you. Can I tell you that? If you will be about what God is calling you to do, if you will be about God's business, if you'll prioritize his thing, it will be worth it for you because there's still work to do. That's the essence of vision, that there's still work to do, that we're not done. In fact, that's the theme of this season that we're in. When you go out and you see that wall and it says one degree of glory on it, what's that mean? It means that in all that God has done, let's remember that's not all he wants to do. There's still work to do. That there are still mountains to take. There are still people to reach. That there are still, there is still work to be done. You know, even with this building, this building is not the finish line. For many people, and maybe even for you, this building is the starting point. This is the place where you meet God. This is the place where your life changes. This is the place where you get on a new trajectory and a new path where you encounter the plans and purposes that God has for you. It, it, it's not the end game. It's just a mile marker. It's an indicator that God has more miracles on the way. That's what this is. And what encourages me about this passage is that at whatever point you would jump in, 
there's still opportunity for you. There is still an opportunity. See, I have to say that because I feel like there's two pitfalls that we can fall into. One pitfall would be maybe you've been coming for a while and you have the mindset like, hey, we did it. We hit the goal. We got in here. The work is done. You feel like you reached the finish line. The other pitfall would be maybe you're new and you've just come recently and you're like, oh, man, this place is, this place is established. We've got things going on. They don't really need me to participate. They don't really need my help. Everything's good. Everything's covered. Both of those are ditches. What I want to tell you is there's still work to do. And I want us to embrace the mindset of these people who were called at five, five o'clock. Because when they were called, regardless of the day, what they discovered is that we are just getting started. We're just getting started. It's funny talking about just getting started. A few weeks ago, I don't know, three or four weeks ago, I had somebody reach out to me in the community, a person with the city, a part of this group in the city, and, and they called me up and wanted to meet, wanted to connect. And they were doing it, uh, you know, from a place of, of generosity, just wanting to um, get to know us, solve a new building. And, and so this person called me up and she's like, hey, um, I'm with, you know, I'm so-and-so with so-and-so. And, and I just wanted to say on behalf of, you know, our organization, welcome to the community. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, oh man, that's, that's so kind of you. Yeah, that's, that's really great. Appreciate that. I said, but you know, you need to know, we've actually been here for 10 years. We didn't just like buy this building and all of a sudden people showed up. Like we've, we've been here for 10 years doing stuff. And we were talking and she, you know, she tried to cover it up a little bit, but I, I was asking her a little more. It's like, yeah, have, you know, did you know about some of these things? And I started telling her uh, about how, since she was kind of connected with the city, I just said, yeah, like, like you, you probably heard how uh, we were the church that we, we paid for a bunch of bus benches to, to be built in our city. And when, Nobody else was doing anything like, like we gave some money to get 10 of them built and we had conversations with the transportation agency and we're helping to be strategic about where those things were placed, were placed in the places that were most needed. And, and really through our efforts as catalytic, now there's been like 20 more that have been built since those 10 that we initially built. And, and I said that to her. And I was like, oh, well, maybe, um, maybe you remember, like we were, we were the first organization uh, in our city that when the pandemic first hit, and you know, everybody's kind of freaking out, what is this pandemic first, first hit? Like we're the first organization to do this mask giveaway. Like people, like people weren't even like really wearing masks at the time. Do you remember? Like now, it was like really odd when you saw somebody. Now it's like almost odd when you don't. But we were giving away masks, and and I said we were the first organization in our city to do it. And um, all right, so maybe maybe you're familiar with how we um, provided the seed money for this emergency medical relief fund in our community. Uh, we partnered with Heartland to do that so that we've provided the seed money for that. Now that fund has grown and is helping people. Maybe you heard of that or just, you know, the, the various things we've done to help eliminate hope, homelessness or, or care for those who are experiencing it right now. Or, you know, the, the last two years, the annual serve days we've done where there's been hundreds of people serving and over, you know, 30 dozens of different projects that have happened. Or, you know, or, or when, remember when school was not in session, where how we provided internet for 100 families that didn't have internet so that their kids could stay connected in school. Or, you know, maybe, 
Maybe remember the, like the blessed boxes we put in our city for those that don't always have access to the agencies that provide care. So we put them in neighborhoods so that they can uh, get the things that they need and the resources that they need and actually help care for people for others. So I just started like asking her about some of that stuff. And you know, that, that's kind of exciting, some of the things we've been able to do. But the truth is, we didn't start with that. We didn't start with that. We started with a vision. We started with a vision. That's the way everything starts, by the way. It's, it's believing that things could be better. Believing that there's still work to do. That things aren't done. That's the way everything starts. I know there's a number of you raised your hands your first Vision Sunday, so you might not know our story. I just want to share our story with you so, uh, so you can feel like you're a part of it. When my wife and I moved here, when Marissa and I moved here over 10 years ago, moved here with our then two-year-old son, we, we didn't know anybody. We, we didn't have any connections in the city. Uh, we didn't have friends or family here. I mean, we had friends, but none here. We, uh, we, we didn't have... Uh, you know, we didn't move here with a team. Uh, we didn't move here being planted out of some other church organization. Uh, we didn't move here with a big budget or some grand strategy or marketing plan. We moved here with a belief and a vision. And speaking of budget, we, when we moved here, we, when we started this church, we started with $10,000. That's the money we used to get started. And... Uh, 6,000 of that was money that my wife and I had, had saved up. I've told our church before how currently we give over 25% of our income away, and we've actually been doing that for a long time when we started because we were tithing. We weren't going to a church because we were going to build a church, so we, were, we believe in tithing and supporting the work of God. So we were tithing to the church that we left in Minnesota because they were preaching the gospel, and then we were giving over our tithe to, to help prepare for this new work that we were going to do. So we were doing that, and we saved up $6,000, and then we, uh, then we raised another $4,000 from friends and family because we didn't have many friends, so that's why it was only $4,000. <laughs> and uh, so we moved here and started this, but understand, like, we didn't move here. The goal was never to start a church for us. If the goal is to start a church, I mean, we would have, like, celebrated a long time ago. But... The goal was to start a move of God. That's why we called this thing Velocity, because we wanted to ignite a move of God in our city. And even though we've seen God do incredible things, can I tell you, there's still work to do. There, there's still work to do. We, we didn't know how long this process would take. We didn't know whether we'd get a building in two years or 20 years. We, we, we didn't know how long it would take us to reach five people or 5,000 people. All we knew is that if we were faithful to the process, God would be faithful to his promise. And if you think about it, every single one of us who's here, every person is here because somebody else was here first. Somebody served so you could have a seat. Somebody gave so that you could receive. Somebody worked Somebody prayed, somebody invited. Regardless of at what point you've come along the journey, there was somebody here before you and there will be somebody here after you. All of us are sitting in somebody else's sacrifice. And we have an opportunity to do that for others. 
That's what this parable shows us. That's why, whether it's your first Sunday here, first time in a long time, or you've been with us for a while, I want to invite you to be part of the work of God here. And make no mistake about it, God is working and moving in our church. In fact, just, just this year alone, this year, 2021, uh, we've seen 194 people make a decision to follow Jesus. Isn't that awesome? And when I say that, understand, like, like these, this is not like including online numbers. Like, these are people, and those count. Online, you count. But what I'm saying is, these are people who've come, even during pandemic going on, who have indicated to us in some form or fashion, whether through a connection card or grabbing a fresh start kit or, or some other way, that they're making a decision to follow Jesus. Now, there's a lot of numbers I want to share with you today, but I got to tell you, that's the most important number to me. It absolutely is the most important number to me because making the decision to follow Christ is the thing, is the starting point for all the other work that God wants to do in your life. See, it, when, when God changes your heart, it changes your priorities. When, when your priorities begin to change because it, you realize it's no longer about you and, and you're part of a plan and purpose bigger than yourself, it causes you to be less selfish. When you're less selfish, relationships improve. When relationships improve, marriages get better. When marriages get better, families get stronger. When families get stronger, communities thrive. When communities thrive, cities flourish. When cities flourish, people do too. That's why we're going to be about this mission, the greatest mission we can be about to bring those far from God near to life in Christ. That's what we get to do. So, so there's lots of ways you can be a part for sure. But uh, for today, because it's Vision Sunday, I want to ask you to be a part of our vision offering. Now, our vision offering is not today. Vision offering is on November 21st. It's, that's what those envelopes are for. You can take those home with you. They're not for today. Just because I want to ask that you would pray about what God would have you do, prepare for it, and plan on it. See, at our church, there's, we never give out of pressure or compulsion. What we do is that we will show you what God is doing, show you the fruit of this ministry, show you the opportunities that you have, and then ask you to ask God at what level you should participate. Not if you should participate, just ask God at what level you should participate. And I wanted to just explain it to you. I'm going to go through this real quick so we can all be on the same page. What we're doing in our vision offering this year, trying to make it as simple as possible. So our vision offering, our goal this year is $300,000. Sounds like a lot. Sounds like a lot. It is a lot. It's a lot to me. It's $300,000. And it sounds like a lot until you realize that this year alone, year's not up, we've given away over $192,000. That blows my mind. That, that, that literally blows, blows my mind. Uh, we've done that through a, a lot of different ways. And so, um, so t this offering, we broke it into two, two parts. 200,000 is gonna go to our ministry locally. 100,000 is gonna go to ministry globally. We're gonna give locally and globally. So locally, here's what that looks like. So locally, just this year, we've given away over $35,000 just, uh, just in, this, in the city of Lawrence. The way that works is we, we give... Uh, Strategically, we, we, do, we have what we call compassion funds, which goes to directly help individuals in need. 
and then we also give through strategic partners in our city. We know our mission is to reach those far from God, but we come alongside and help those organizations that are making a difference and doing great things and all sorts of organizations. I mean, uh, we've partnered with uh, the Ballard Center, the Dare Center, Family Promise, Heartland, Insight, Justice Matters, the Salvation Army, Serve 785, Willow, Young Life. There's other organizations that, that we come alongside and help and support. But um, the truth is we've actually done more than that 35000 because we've also given $50,000 to church planning this year. And we believe the greatest thing we can do is to build the church because it's the church that changes lives and people come to know Christ. But of that 50000 that we give to church planning, this is, I think this is so cool. We've helped uh, four different churches in our city Three of them we helped out during the pandemic when they, like everybody was without a space to meet. And while we were getting our building, we gave to help them so they could have a semi-permanent space. We helped some other churches get into spaces because we believe in the local church. We believe it's the hope of the world. And so, so we've actually done a lot more locally than, than just, just that. But so, the, the 200,000 is going to our ministry locally, but of course, when we talk about building the church, the greatest thing we can do is to build God's house right here because God is changing lives right here. And can I tell you, there's still work to do right here. Even in our building, there, there's still work to do. I've been, uh, I'm thankful for, for what we've been able to do. Um, we had a goal this year of what we wanted to hit and we're well on our way to hitting this goal to get into this space. But of course, we moved into the space in September, but the goal is not finished till the end of the year. So there's still stuff that we're doing here. And I've been telling my kids, I was like, you got to pay attention because every week there's going to be something changing at our church. Like every week and you're going to notice something different. Like you notice we have new chairs today. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, isn't that good? Hopefully they're a little more comfortable. We're going to have a new stage next week. Like every weekend, if you pay attention, there's going to be something changing. we got a lot more stuff that we're going to be doing in our kids' space. If you, if you haven't gone back there, you need to see it when you pick up your kids. If you don't have kids, you need to go there and then like serve on the kids' team because it's amazing. Uh, what, what's honest, this is where I would serve. It's the most fun place. Um, but you need to check it out. There's still work to do. And so that's what we're giving towards. When I ask to be a part of it. So that's what we're doing locally. Secondly, what we're doing globally. Now, we do a lot of things globally. Uh, we've talked about with the connection cards, how we're helping people in Afghanistan. Right now, this church currently, you, you are helping 150 families who are in Afghanistan. You're giving them shelter. You're giving them security. You're giving them food. You're giving them safety. That's what you're doing just through your generosity. In addition to that, this church, you, have helped 30 Christian families leave Afghanistan, who are in a very dangerous state, to get to safety through our partners. You've been able to do that. We, uh, another thing we do is, is we, we provide Bibles to places that uh, the Word of God is not accessible. So we have people who are taking Bibles to places. Uh, we've also uh, cared for people who are dealing with the conflict in the Gaza Strip, both Palestinians and Israelis. We've been providing help for them. Uh, we, we've done a lot of things. Now, our favorite thing, one of our favorite things we do is we care for some children in the Dominican Republic. We have a, a care point that every day feeds over 120 kids. And uh, of course, uh, it's just so awesome. It's more than just the kids. We're caring for families. And, uh, and this care point has a church that meets on the weekend. And many of these families have come to know Christ through this church. And th there's great things that are happening. And these kids, like they are some of the leaders in their school that I just got to tell you, if it was not for your generosity and how you're taking care of them, like these are some of the poorest of the poor. And they are kids that the world would give up on and forget about. But because of your generosity, you are changing 
an entire community. And so we get to do this, but um, we've had plans of stuff we wanted to do there. We bought some land because we wanted to build a new care point for them. And then through things with the government and pandemic, those initial plans didn't work out. And so during the pandemic, just as it's impacted us, it's impacted them too, where the kids are no longer able to come to the care point. So we've been going to the communities, taking food to them, still ministering to them, still helping them. And the care point hasn't been used. So what we've been able to do, we had this idea, well, while the care point's not happening, not kids aren't going there, what if we could start renovating it? And then that kind of morphed into, well, we wanted to buy this one land. What if we buy the land that the care point's on because we were just leasing that space. So we bought that land and said, what if we, while nobody's there, what if we just like build the new care point there? So I wanna show you just something real quick that uh, your generosity is doing. So through the generosity of our visioneering team, our visioneering team is a group of people with generous hearts that gives above and beyond their tithe to make the vision happen. Move forward. We've been able to do that so far. And uh, it might not look like much to you now, but I'm telling you, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be appropriate for the context that it's in. And there's still work to do. And so when we say we're going to give $100,000 globally, that's what it's going to go towards is to finish off that and uh, it's gonna be incredible. And I just gotta tell you, this is a real partnership that we have there because we are, one, not only so many of you sponsor kids, which you can still do, we get you some information on that if you want to. We take two mission trips to there. Our church is working with local pastors in the community to help them be more effective. Uh, we do Christmas parties for the kids. We take two mission trips a year. We're actually uh, looking at 
providing radiant for all the girls at the care point and the workers there. So we're uh, figuring out a way to translate that and get that taken care of. And then also we're going to be finding a way to bring the workers and, and, and you saw the pastor there, uh, you're gonna find a way to bring them here for our grand opening in January. All of this is happening because of your generosity. And so this is what we get to do. This is what we get to do. And there's still work to do. But the reason I wanted to read you this parable is because the truth is the work in the field was not an obligation. It was an opportunity. And I want to show you why as we finish the parable. In verse 8, it says, At the end of the day, the owner of the vineyard said to the boss of all the workers, Call the workers and pay them. Start by paying the last people I hired, then pay all of them, ending with the workers I hired first. The workers who were hired at five o'clock came to get their pay and each worker received one silver coin. Got a day's wage for an hour's work. Then the workers who were hired first came to get their pay and they thought they'd be paid more than the others. But each one of them also received one silver coin. And when they got the silver coin, they complained to the man who owned the land. They said, those people were hired last and worked only one hour, but you paid them the same as you paid us. And we worked hard all day in the hot sun, but the man who owned the land that vineyard owner, he said to one of those workers, friend, I'm being fair to you. You agreed to work for one silver coin. So take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same pay that I gave you. I can do what I want with my own money. Are you jealous because I'm good to those people? Now, if the conclusion of the story kind of shocks you, be it is because it would have also shocked Jesus' hearers. Because the conclusion of the story, it challenges our sense of justice. It almost violence violates our ideas of fairness. But again, keep in mind, this parable is not about employee compensation. This parable is not about principles for, you know, running a business or fair wages or employee management or resolving workers' disputes. This parable is trying to illustrate the grace of God. In fact, one of the things I noticed in this text is there's five different groups of workers, five different sets of workers, but there's really only two groups of people. There was one that wanted a wage and one that wanted work. In other words, some people were looking for a contract, others were looking for an opportunity. Let, let me show it to you. You see it in the first part, verses one and two. It says that this man owned some land. He went out to hire some people. And in verse two, it says, the man agreed to pay the workers one silver coin. The man agreed. In other words, he didn't offer them that. They asked for it. And it made me think how often we approach God like this first group of people. We're bargaining for benefits. Before we agree to do what God's asked us to do, we want to know what's in it for me. I want to know if it's going to be worth it. Can I tell you God's grace is better than your bargain? that God's generosity is better than your judgment, that if you insist on your preferences, you will resist God's provision. The, the reason this man asked these workers to join him in the field in the last hour of the day wasn't because he needed workers. It was because he wanted to bless them. And the reason I'm asking you to participate in this offering is because I want you to see the generosity of God in your own life. See, what you need to take away from this parable isn't 
that God's judgment is unfair, but that God's generosity is unreasonable. He is unreasonable in his generosity. And I wanna ask some of you to pray and really think about making a sacrificial gift to what we wanna do this year. And I'll just tell you, God values your sacrifice more than you do. He does. These first workers, they said, hey, what's in it for me? I wanna know what I'm gonna get out of this. The next group, he said, hey, you go work. I'll make sure you get what it's worth. He values it more than you do. That's why we have Vision Sunday. It's not about getting bigger. It's about doing greater. It's not about, you know, branding or buildings. It's about building people. It's not about trying to grow our influence. It's about influencing people for Jesus. That's why we have Vision Sunday, because there is still work to do. There are more people to reach, and we're not going to stop reaching them. I was thinking about this group of workers that came in the final hour, how we didn't need them to finish, but how they brought strength to the finish. And I think God wants us to finish out this year with strength, both as a church and in your own life. To finish out this year with strength. That's my prayer for you. That we'd finish strong. Not just in our own power, our own ability, but with God's grace that he so generously provides.